Welcome to the Exploring Healing Arts podcast, your go-to source for learning about different healing techniques and meeting exceptional healing arts practitioners from around the globe. Together, we explore where the physical meets the subtle, the possibilities that exist for healing, and a diverse array of methods to try, from acupuncture to yin yoga and Reiki to family constellation therapy. My name is Elizabeth Alexander. I am the creator and curator behind this podcast, a Reiki master and energy healing practitioner. This podcast is something I have dreamed of for many, many moons, and my intention is to birth the resource I wish I had had at the start of my own healing arts journey over a decade ago. Whether you are just getting started on your own journey or you are intentionally diving deeper into a healing arts practice, this podcast is the place for you. You will hear inspiring stories, get real life practical tips, and connect with exceptional practitioners and teachers from around the world. No two paths in healing are the same, but that does not mean you need to be alone. Join us to explore and experience healing together. Today's episode is co-created with Cindy Dale. Cindy is an amazing human being, a great teacher, and a big part of the reason that I've stepped into my own healing arts practice in the last 10 years. A friend gifted me her book, A Subtle Body, an Encyclopedia of Your Energetic Anatomy. Way back in college, we were sitting at a Borders bookstore, (laughs) for those of you that can remember that time period, and she found this book. I loved it, and she bought it and gifted it to me for my birthday one year, and I was hooked. And I am so excited to be here today with Cindy. We're going to share her story. She also will be sharing some simple grounding practices that you can do anywhere. We talk about finding the feeling of belonging in a family that maybe doesn't totally get you in the energy work you do. And Cindy shares parts of her journey that even after 10 years of learning with her through books and apprenticeships and online courses are newer to me. And I experienced a lot of resonance through hearing some of the ups and downs of her path and how she navigated through challenges. And I hope you find some inspiration there too. Cindy Dale is an internationally renowned author, speaker, healer, business consultant, and the author of nearly 30 books about energy medicine, intuition, and spirituality. Cindy has worked with over 70,000 clients and students and presented hundreds of seminars and workshops across the globe, including the University of Minnesota, 3M, and Tonka. Her books have been published in over 18 languages and have received publishers and visionary awards. Her prestigious skills include shamanism, intuitive healing, energy healing, family of origin therapy, Reiki, therapeutic touch, the Lakota way, and faith healing. She has been featured on Goop, The Shift Network, NBC, ABC, CBS, Gaia, Healthline, and many more. And overall, Cindy seeks to unify the world's most vital spiritual messages, encouraging understanding and community among all people. I know every time that I interact with Cindy, I always walk away with a smile on my face, feeling uplifted, feeling joyful, feeling present. And I hope you walk away from this episode feeling that way too. Welcome, Cindy Dale. So excited to have you here today. 
I am thrilled to be here to see what corners we go into, you know, how far up, how far down into this wonderful exploration of energy, etc. And I shared a little bit about this earlier, but you're really one of the big reasons that I've gotten into energy healing work myself. And so I would love to start with just a little bit of background on you, and then we'll dive into some of the energy basics, the things that I remember just eating up reading your books like 10 years ago. So what is your ancestry? It's my favorite question to start with. You know, I just love that you asked that because we tend to think we just kind of arrive and, and get going and we don't, right? <laughs> I am 100% Norwegian. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a lot of people who are well-known in the energy field who are Norwegian. <laughs> so, um, but you know what? There, when you live way up north, your people do. For generations after generations, you go a little crazy and you probably <laughs> become a little intuitive. So I think the decisive factor is typically how much are you making up? You know, kind of if you come from that sort of, you know, background versus how much is really attunement to spirit. But anytime you get way up north there about in the cold country, Siberia, Lapland, uh, and, you know, Norway, there's there's been shamans for thousands of years. So I tend to think that I carry some of that blood. Mm, that's beautiful. And how do you stay connected to those roots? What do you have any practices or what does that look or feel like for you? I grew up with uh, two Norwegian parents. They spoke Norwegian, but they didn't actually hail from Norway. My grandparents did. So I thought it was really normal to grow up with Norwegian traditions, especially in the holidays, which really just involves eating a lot of white food. <laughs> you know, Ludafisk, Lefsa, uh, Krimkaka, uh, Rumagrut. I mean, everything is basically white. And it's funny because I have a very bland palate. Like if Mexican has a little bit of spice, I can't eat it. Same with Italian. So I probably keep a lot of the diet going without, I don't (laughs) do the gluten, the white wonder bread, you know, and all that. But, um, but we were, we were very down to earth, very real, get your tasks done. You know what? You don't need to wear a jacket outside unless it's 30 below, just get out there. And I live in Minnesota, which is a cold weather climate. And so I think I approach life and my heritage and my traditions very much that same way, very basic, down to earth, very plain, Scandinavian, keep it simple, get your work done. I raise my boys that way with a really strong work ethic. And so I think it's innate from the inside to the out. Mm, that's beautiful. And and I was going to mention it, you ended up in the northern part of the United States, you know, so can you tell us a little bit about where you're located on? And if you know the native people of the land, I would love to do a land acknowledgement for them too. Yeah, I'm in Minnesota. And what's interesting is it really was from the white person point of view, mainly settled by Germans, Norwegians, Swedes, you know, at first. And then again, the Europeans that came over, eventually there were a few Polish, Italian, uh, Mediterranean, a little more hot-blooded people, which I'm sure my ancestors were like, oh, you're making too much ruscus in church, like just (laughs) settle in. 
But what's really interesting from two other vantage points is Minnesota, my area, Minneapolis, is one of the top communities for resettlement for Somalians. Wow. You know, people from Somalia, Vietnamese people. We have a fairly large Black, you know, African-American population and often a lot of Native American populations, Ojibwe, the Lakotas, uh, the Dakotas. And, you know, so the land, I think, speaks to that indigenous population that also had to endure hardship and winter and had a sense of connection to the great spirit. And in fact, early on when I was learning a lot about shamanism and I was studying different communities, different cultures around the world, I did work with maybe about nine years, uh, a Lakota population, you know, and I don't consider myself that person, you know, I'm, I think it's really important to respect other communities, but I did learn a lot about their approach to the land, to the sweat lodge, to the grandmothers and the grandfathers and respecting your elders. And when I was going through there, I've been in therapy for decades. Okay. So mm-hmm. I can't say when I was in therapy <laughs> as a client, but one of the stages when I was in therapy, I worked with this super cool chair that had sound and light, you know, wow. so you like seeing lights and their sound and all four of my grandparents who were deceased at that time showed up and I became part of their souls. And my grandmother and grandfather from North Dakota in particular lived next to a native reservation. And I, and it was interesting, you know, just even connecting through them to the people of their land. They, you know, kind of worked really hard as farmers through the depression. My mom lived through that. So I, I love your questions because there's so much, not only about healing the ancestry, right? Like what do I have to recover from? Because I carry all these generational memories and inclinations toward diseases and in my family, alcoholism and everything else. But, but the positives that we are trying to rebirth too. Absolutely. It's important to anchor into both sides, (laughs) which brings me into my next question for you. Will you share with us what is energy and what's the difference between subtle and physical energy? Like, How do you differentiate those two in your work? I think this is key. I think kindergartners should be taught about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Agreed. (laughs) I know. Isn't it fun to be (laughs) into this super, super, cool club where we're doing energy now. Energy is just information that move. Einstein said everything's made out of energy, in particular, oscillating fields of energy like light and sound. And that's all that there there is. It's information within or around, say, a coffee cup that tells the cup to be a cup and the coffee to be coffee. It's a vibration that's around that cup and actually in it too, that determines if it's going to be hot or cold, you know, or if it's going to, you know, the temperature is going to be such that the cup, you know, is going to crack or whatever's going to happen. And everything's made out of energy, but I'm really more keen on figuring out the 99.999% of all energy that is subtle. Mm-hmm. Really, honestly, the space between what it is we know how to measure. Physical is what we know how to measure. 
That's a moving target. 5,000 years ago, nobody cared how you were going to measure it because our ancestors, you know, pretty concretely around the world used their intuitive faculties so they could perceive subtle energy to much higher of a degree than we've been taught to. But most energy is subtle and it's the subtle that forms the lattice work that usually decides what's going to appear in physical reality or not. And when I was learning about energy, we called it psychic energy, which spooked the heck out of everybody. <laughs> it's Now we really call it quanta, you know, kind of fast moving wave particles. But I don't think that's the only thing that makes subtle energy is this, this really tiny stuff. I think it's also big waves of spiritual qualities that also compose subtle energy. So I think we have to look to the little and to the really big to really understand and touch, activate, move, direct, get informed about subtle energy. Absolutely. And I love what you touched on that our ancestors really had to rely on their intuition in ways that we don't today. And I've always said, you know, like the Gutenberg press has been great in some ways. And in other ways, it's been not so good because instead of leaning on our intuitive capacities and into our feeling and stuff, we've gotten really focused on the brain and that led to the scientific revolution, which is fantastic. We've codified. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, but this is cool. Neurologically, science says even now that we have two basic neurological processes going on simultaneously. Okay. One is digital. That's much more modern, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 years old. It's linear. It's what we developed when we had to live, you know, kind of like not nomadically, tell time, create hierarchies, power structures, religions, institutions, you know, try to put certain people in charge of things you do digital because you've got to have somebody on the top running things. And then they usually want to keep everybody on the bottom, not running anything or accessing the analog neurology, which is more intuitive. It comes from the place that we're one with nature that we're one with spirit, that God mm. and nature are one and the same. And so thousands of years ago, people did analog. They were like, hey, I had a dream, mom. Oh, what did it tell you? Well, the elk are going to run. Okay, we better go get ready for the hunt. So we have to live from both. I understand we have to tell time in order to make <laughs> things happen, but we need to express and really follow analog. And how, I mean... I would say that we live in a digital world currently. So what has your path been like, you know, being birthed into this digital world, a world that largely focuses on digital skills and digital techniques and developing that analog side of you? Like, how did that path start and where did it go? I wasn't very digital as a kid. I just wasn't. <laughs> okay. I wasn't. I saw fairies. I saw angels. I saw spooks. Mm. I heard voices. I sort of, I didn't feel lonely my first few years. I was like, oh, this is so lovely. And my parents <laughs> thought I was pretty odd, pretty strange. Uh, I remember moving from Huntsville, Alabama. My dad had been at NASA and then moved into 3M and we moved then to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I started started second grade and I went into a very locked down system. I mean, it's called school, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at math that was being taught by Mr. Fitzgibbons or whatever his name was going, <laughs> there's more than one answer. 
why is he asking me for one answer? And I did really poorly. He, he thought I was dumb. They thought I wasn't smart. You know, all the teachers were like, she needs remedial this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, no, there's just more than one answer. <laughs> and somehow I figured out to adapt and just give them what they wanted to know and, you know, keep reading my books and doing my fairy tales and talking to beings on the side. But then I go to school and I do what everybody else was doing. But I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't fit in. I, I had a really poor family that, you know, kind of anyway, alcoholism and abuse and kind of crazy, crazy stuff. Um, and so then I started to feel lonely, but I was able to figure out how, you know, everybody wanted you to be digital. So I just did digital. And what was funny is in fifth grade, the teachers gave me an IQ test and they were like, oh my God, she's like brilliant. And I'm like, does it really matter? Now all of a sudden you stick me in math lab and I'm doing math because you think I'm so smart, I want to learn this type of math. I don't know. I ended up getting all A's and I ended up doing okay. But I didn't really like all that. You know, you learn to fit in, but you don't really fit in. And I think a lot of kids go through that. They just give the world what the world needs. Yep. And I lost most of my intuitive pathway in my teen years, shut it down, was really mad that God wouldn't let me die, you know, and leave here. Um, and just did it the world's way. And I was so unhappy, Elizabeth. I was mm -hmm. so unhappy. And mm -hmm. I, I started therapy around 1920. And I had a therapist who said, you know, you're not only codependent, anorexic, bulimic, whatever, right? OCD. You're psychic. And it was like having that label unlocked me again. Wow. And I just started learning about it. And mainly when I was there, there was a little bit of new age, which was pretty darn flaky. And so I learned a lot when I traveled. I, I connected to shamans. I connected to healers. I just went back into the worlds where you were analog. And it just sort of saved me. I mean, I've had to work on my issues most of my life, which I think most of us have to. And probably only starting about 10 years ago did I go, I'm okay. I'm good the way I am. I'm, I'm okay. But I think I come out of a generation that was so lockstep and yeah. there was so much more judgment if you were strange. And I had to work through that as well as my own judgments on myself. Well, what a godsend to have someone like the therapist you did in your late teens, early 20s, who right. was able to provide you with that kind of a vocabulary, because that's life changing. You know, you take something from a lens that it's maybe detrimental or having a negative impact in your life. And you're like, oh, wow, this could actually be utilized or applied in a different way. And it might be really fun. <laughs> And then my family's full of engineers and doctors. So they're like, isn't it weird? Like when you're like, guys, like loosen up a little. <laughs> and so I was scapegoated. I think a lot of us, were you sort of the bit of the black sheep outcast a little bit? Yeah, I talk about stuff that makes everyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> it does. It makes them uncomfortable and they don't yeah. know what to do with it. I didn't, and they were judgmental and told stories about me and this and that and the other thing. When I felt good in my family, it was funny. It was my mom's family, farmers, right? Ranchers, farmers, mm -hmm. good old fashioned North Dakota people. 
And I'm at this dinner, maybe 10 years ago or something. And I brought my youngest son who's super ADHD. So I never brought him to anything, you know, nothing family. Cause they would be like, well, how come you can't make him sit still? And it's like, well, he doesn't sit still. So anyway, <laughs> but he was there and he was doing his best. And this family who had always thought I was very odd, my drunk uncle, Barney, sitting next to me, made this joke. He goes, you know, at one of the casinos out near Watford City, North Dakota, some goofballs have built this pyramid. He goes, I think you like it out there. You could go into that pyramid and the aliens would beam you up. Then he wasn't being mean. And the whole family laughed. And all of a sudden, I was like, I think I'm accepted. <laughs> I've actually liked that family ever since then and got along with it just really, wow. really well. I, I don't know why that was it, but it was sort of like, well, I don't really get into aliens and this and that, but hey, if that's where you want to put me, I'm good with it. Now let's just be comfortable. So totally. I know. I think that's just one of my favorite stories. You know, I love that. What it took to be accepted, you know, them thinking I'm going to get beamed up by aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever it takes. <laughs> exactly. So, from that moment where you, you know, the therapist was like, you're also psychic and you traveled, you studied with different peoples around the world. It sounds like a lot of people that have practices that are rooted in shamanism and animism yes. and connection to nature. Yes. At what point did you start stepping into like a professional role, either like seeing people for sessions or writing one of your 30 books that you've done or teaching courses? <laughs> like how did that shift happen? So when I was about 28, my oldest son was maybe one-ish or somewhere around there. I was, I'd worked in public relations, corporate social responsibility, which is like a pretty big deal, teaching business ethics yeah. at a university. I was doing fundraising. I mean, I was sort of on that corporate track. So talk about digital. And I had also been traveling and I also had been studying chakras and the precursor to healing touch program. Okay. And I, every so often since I was little, I hear a voice in my right ear. I call it God. It sounds like James Earl Jones, right? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Those guys who play God. And it's okay. I was raised with a male God. It's okay if it shows up male to me, right? That just tells me what to do. And I heard this voice that said, quit your job. And I'm like, I kind of need to make money. Mm -hmm. And it was like, just quit your job quit your job. So I set up quitting my job. And I'm like, I hope the voice talks again. And it said, <laughs> start your own business. But it didn't tell me what to start. I knew I was supposed to start an intuitive business. I'd been learning, studying. I knew it. My gut knew it. So I did two things. I set up a nonprofit consulting company and got a client right away. And I very embarrassingly made cards because back then we didn't do internet. We made business cards that were rose colored with a rose on them that said psychic healings and readings. I don't even like the word psychic anymore. And I went to FedEx, then Kinko's to pick up the box. I was just going to bury them. I was not going to do it, but they had one of the cards was pasted on the end 
Okay. That box. And then I was really literally going to go home. I was married to a PhD scientist. I was not going to do this. And this woman next to me goes, Oh, do you do psychic readings? Because obviously she saw the box. And I said, Well, I didn't really answer. She goes, I'm a hairdresser. I'll send you people. And then that was it. That's the business that went. Wow. So my first four years, I just had this voice that said, Teach a class. I'm like, Okay, write a book. Okay. And every so often the voice comes back. I'm better at reading kind of my gut sense about things and being able to be open and let signs come in. So I don't think I need the voices often, Mm -hmm. but the voice comes in every so often. One of my funny stories is about 20 years ago, I had the voice and it said, you're going to write a series of chakra books. And I saw them like first chakra, second chakra, third chakra. And I go, okay, this is great. So I went to my publishers and I said, Hey, do you want me to write this? You know, these books and go, no, no, (laughs) we don't want them. We don't need them. We don't want them. We're not going to take them. Wow. About a year ago, one of my publishers, Llewellyn wrote me and she said, Hey, do you want to write a series of chakra books? Oh my gosh. (laughs) 20 years. And I wrote back, I said, I had a dream 20 years ago. I was going to do this. Of course I want to do this. So wow, I know, isn't that cool? So I think intuition is a, it's wonderful and it's a bit gamey. And I think that I have learned to approach it with a sense of humor. Like even if the guidance tells you something a certain way, you don't really know what it means until it happens. You mm-hmm. don't. You know, you know what I mean? There's just, there's all kind. you, you don't get to live your life in the future. You live it now. And so there's always that need to be in the present and just be in the unfolding too. It's a beautiful reminder. <laughs> were there any points like besides the business card debacle where you were like, I'm giving up. This is it for me. Or fear started to creep in and you were like ready to like pivot back into more of like a digital career, like we've been saying. Oh, you know, I don't think I ever felt like quitting what I was doing because when you've been doing something that odd for a few years, there's nobody who's going to hire you. So I didn't there. I mean, except for waitressing or something, there wouldn't really have been an option to go back into the corporate universe. Yeah. There were years it was really hard though, where I didn't have that many clients. Uh, when I married my youngest son's father, it, that had a whole story of a, a dream, go to this UPS place and meet him. You're going to have a child with him. You need to have the child. There was this whole foreordained sense to it. Wow. He was a born again Christian and he became more born again Christian. And I actually did go to the seminary and I loved it. But the seminary was Baptist and the students didn't like me. So this was my hardest time. They called me in. These three professors called me in for an inquisition. And they were like, why are you in the seminary? You know, you do chakras, you do new age. And I told them some of my stories of Jesus appearing to me. Now, I don't mean religiously, but as a being. Mm -hmm. And they were like, you clearly are guided you need to stay here, whatever you're going to do with this, we support you. One of the professors later took me aside and said, you know, I believe in past lives. I wish we did in the Christian church. But at the same time, I was going through this witch burning by Christians. 
a lot of the people who knew I was married to a pastor were abandoning me. Like it was mm-hmm. really lonely. Wow. I had a friend, a so-called friend who saw ghosts and spirits call a bunch of churches and tell them I was from the devil. <gasps> and I'm like, wait a minute, you're calling yourself a Christian. You do the same work I do. It was a really hard place to go through because I could see my business suffering, you know, my heart suffering. I don't really even know how I got through it. I went and did ayahuasca, (laughs) actually. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, well, I'm just going to do what I can do. I couldn't figure out what to write because I didn't know who, where I was. I didn't know what exactly I believed in. I went to a Lutheran pastor and I said, do you think I could possibly be a Christian as this person? He goes, Cindy, I'm in charge of the people who get to know Christ coming through the front door. Who's to say what's in the back doors? That's not my call. Somehow I got through all that and I don't even worry about that stuff anymore. Um, but it, was, it wasn't a crisis of faith. It was more like, uh, what is going on? Why are we at odds with each other? Why, why are there good beliefs and bad beliefs when all the beliefs that are true are good beliefs? Like if you take care of people, does it matter what you call yourself? Does it matter if you, do you know what I mean? If you're doing, if you're honest, why does it matter what religion you're in? It, it, it was a really challenging you know, and tough time. Absolutely. It sounds like back to back to back challenges that are also really deep and require a level of strength and fortitude and faith in yourself and in your connection to spirit. (laughs) I don't know if I had that much faith and fortitude. I think I think I just kind of waffled my way through it. I mean, you've probably had times like that, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Where you're just going, well, everybody tells you it's a dark night of the soul, but I don't see any light. So I don't feel particularly brave or smart. What else can you do? You just keep treading water is all it is. And you bring up a great point, you know, which is that as human beings, right, we can have different identities or affiliations with different groups. And we come from a wide array of skills and backgrounds. You know, how have these you know, experiences that you just shared and your life experience in general, how does that inform the people and the practitioners that you choose to like work with? Like you might go to see for a session or you might go to a ceremony with. Right. Well, I stay with where I'm at. I go with what I feel like I need, the kind of support where I lack, you know, kind of I lack an understanding or a knowledge and I get pretty well guided. I want Good people, honest people, I don't give a you-know-what if they're famous or not. I don't care what their credentials are. It doesn't make any difference to me. It's about the quality of person they are. In fact, one of my ways through the darkness, <laughs> you really should interview him. I don't know if you know his name, Hanaki Azidek. Z-E-D-E-K is a shaman. He's here in Minneapolis. He's absolutely amazing. And I had these series of dreams. I was getting a lot of arrhythmia. I was trying to deal with all this Christian stuff. And I had a series of dreams in which Christ appeared as a cougar. And yada, 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 there were ancestor spirits and negativity and this and that. And I came out of it and I thought, I have an entity. I need a shaman. And he was the one I knew about who I, who in town, I respected the most big, powerful guy I called him up. I went to Anakia. 
The session was at 9 p.m. I'm like, I'm nervous. I have a girlfriend come with me. She thinks she's going to protect me. I mean, she was just a scaredy cat. <laughs> like there's swords. It's, we're in the basement. It's dark and there's swords on his wall. And he looks at me and he picks up on that dream without me saying anything. He wow. swears at me. He goes over and he picks up a Bible and he's like, I never wanted to open another one of these things again. And he read these verses that were exactly what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And it was an ancestral you know, entity that just released. Wow. So I, I think we're led. I think we can't get our head in the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, at going, well, who's the most famous or who's, you know, who does everybody else like? I loved him to this day because he took a chance on trusting his own power and his own intuition, you know, you know, to help me too. Right. And, and does it feel like you're, you're getting guided and you obviously have, you know, a network of people to tap into and ask, but do you experience any sort of sensations or is there like, do you hear something or do you see something when you're like, oh, this is the person that's a, f- a fit for helping me? I typically get a picture, a vision or, you know, like a word. I mean, I'll have my guides talk to me and say, work with this person. And so I get very, very clear openings around that, even books to read. Like there's a lot of very well-known, famous, uh, intuitive, spiritual, medical books I don't read. I respect the authors, but I'm not drawn to them. Instead, I might be told to read this very obsolete book over here or, you know, or that particular author that nobody knows about over there. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm really good at when I'm writing is I get search terms in my head. <laughs> I know. That's amazing. <laughs> I get search terms. I go, look up Russia 1977 studies in XYZ. Wow. So I do. And then there's the research that I need. Yeah. So I'm glad they know how to use the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm glad too, because I remember during your apprenticeship program, the one in person at Normandale, I remember asking you, because I love the subtle body an encyclopedia of your energetic anatomy. That was the first book someone gifted to me back in 2010. And that I was like, can I change my whole major in college to this? I wanted to just completely <laughs> pivot. And it was so cool because I opened up the bibliography and there was all your sources. And I remember asking you at Normandale and you were like, I'm just guided to them. And I like that, like, blew my mind because I would spend hours on PubMed just like trying to find something. (laughs) Here you were like, oh, there's a a level of ease. And it's also so, it's so relevant. It's so rich. But even a lot of those sources weren't well known and there's a backstory. So Sounds True asked me to write an encyclopedia of the subtle body, right? I had no guidelines except they wanted chakras and shiatsu or something. I don't remember what they wanted. I'm like, well, how long? What do you want? They go, well, we're set to print this, but the person we had, we were going to have do it, didn't do it. So we just need you to do this within six months, which really means coming up with a draft in three months. And even before then, they wanted me to tell them what the illustrations were going to be. I'm like, I, what am I going to do? So the next day, a friend of mine, a medical doctor, gave me a call and he goes, Cindy, there's somebody you really need, you have to meet. His name is Stephen Ross. He's a PhD. He's in Sedona. He has a library of all the metaphysical manuscripts from across time. And you've got wow. to connect with them. <laughs> I called Steve. I said, Steve, 
can you help me with this project? Within three or four days, I had a box, a box of of like Xerox materials that were the basis for the Subtle Body Encyclopedia. He wow. basically gave me the outline for the Subtle Body Encyclopedia. Wow. And so he's noted in my book. And what was interesting is later, you know, I put him in with a thank you, the forward. I think he's an amazing person. He goes, you know, I've helped a lot of people, but nobody ever thanks me. What? I thought, why don't we do this? Why aren't we acknowledging each other? We live in such a competitive world. It's like, I think people want to own the data. And I'm like, he gave me the data. And I don't know how I got the rest of it. You know, it just sort of happened. And I found it and researched it. And, you know, kind of it came together. Very fortunately, it came together. I know I was teaching in Russia when the book was due. It like was due in a week. And so I wrote the whole way over the whole way back <laughs> and turned it in. It needed a lot wow. of edits, but it got written. <laughs> I'm so glad it got written. Like I said, that, that was my starting point. So I know you're not supposed to pick like favorite kids or favorite dogs or favorite books, but of your 30 books, is there like a title or two that just really moves you or stands out to you? You know, I like one that's out of print that's called Conversations with the Clairvoyant cool. because it's very little and it's chatty. I really like that one. I love the Subtle Body Encyclopedia. I just love it. And I feel most proud of that one. And secondarily, I feel most proud of a book called Energy Healing for uh, Trauma, Stress, and Chronic Illness that came out at the beginning of the pandemic. It's sort of my life work about how the physical and the subtle body anatomies blend to create trauma and how it works. It's interesting because I quote a lot of the famous polyvagal speakers and energy people. It's so, it's been selling really well. I also find it sort of interesting that it's not caught on with the teachers of trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, maybe it's just different enough that it's sort of like, it's a horse of a different color. And I believe it's really good. I believe if people really want to understand trauma, that's, that's the book. You don't have to read it all page through it. I think it explains trauma. I love that. And are we allowed to talk about your 2023 book? Yeah, let's talk about 2023. Because that one <laughs> is like the one that I saw that and I was like, I oh my gosh. And for those of you that don't know, I've had a, you know, a decade plus long career in fitness and in movement. And I've been, you know, expanding my studies into the subtle realms because I see how impactful it is with physical clients. And Cindy has a book all about that. So tell us about it. <laughs> I'm so excited about this book. I'm so surprised somebody's publishing it too. Okay. Since I am not an athlete. I mean, I hike kind of, but I do hike. I do hike um, and I walk and I do my dogs. It's energy healing for the everyday to elite athlete. So you might wonder what is Cindy Dale, an energy person, energy healer, intuitive doing writing a book about athletics? Well, I work on athletes, 
right? And not just not just pro athletes. I work with people who pulled a muscle and they want to recover so they can get back into running or they can't downhill ski anymore. So, you know, how do they reshape their lives from the downward spiral of being depressed that they can't do what they used to do? How do they revamp themselves? But I also have a younger son who is all about becoming a pro athlete. So I sort of just did the normal stuff. Well, not that normal, but, you know, supporting him, you know, signing him up for football, this baseball, this and that other thing until I had a dream when he was 16 and I saw him becoming at some point a major league baseball pitcher. I didn't tell him because my first thought was he has a long way to go. (laughs) He came to me. Two weeks later, it goes, mom, I want to be a major league baseball figure. Wow. pitcher. And I thought, oh my God, now I'm stuck. I got to help him. And his dad had kind of disappeared. I kind of let his dad run baseball, but he was disappeared for a while. And I was teaching a seminar in Chicago and I was talking about these dreams, how we can get dreams for other people we love. What do you do with them? And this young, you know, stellar, you know, athletic man comes up to me and he goes, I'm a baseball pitcher. I can help your son. And then it opened. And over the years, I've learned how to adapt energy to my son, but to also other people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he wants to take the advice. Sometimes he doesn't. You know what I mean? It's just, I'm still his mother, for God's sake. And, you know, well, a lot of times he'll text me a question like, you know, mom, you know, how many squats should I do or blah, 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 you know, and I'll go blah, blah, blah. And he goes, now, is that the voice in your head talking or is it my mother? He doesn't want his mother. He wants the voice in the head. And other times he's just want his mom to be a mom, right? And not figure out the problems. All right. But it really kind of forced me to open another doorway for energy healing, which I'll tell you, nobody's doing. I know. This is what I want to get into too. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so cool because I do energy work and I'm like, I'm not going to just teach Reiki. I'm not, I have past lives, entities, cords, you know, horror line. I'm like, if I'm going to write this book, I'm going to put all of it in there. Who knows what's going to come of it? Who knows if ESPN is going to do something with this, but does it really matter? Because it opens up the door. It it comes out in March of 23. I'll start doing some PR around it probably in January. And you know cool. what? I'm just going to see where it goes because it helps people with performance no matter how you approach it. But every so often, somebody has to just step up and go, I'll be the plow that opens up a new alley. And then let's just see who follows. It's not just mindfulness. It's not just meditation. It's lots of stuff. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I know I thought of you actually, Elizabeth, (laughs) when I was putting it together, because I remember you from all the classes and how fit you are. And I thought, I bet she's the kind of person who'll love this book. Oh, absolutely. I can't. (laughs) I'm I'm counting down the days till March 2023. I'm super excited. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about like one of the things that I love exploring here is how we can create physical shifts through doing more subtle, you know, the 99.9% of subtle energy work. Do you have a story or two that you could share with us about experiences really with anyone? An athlete would be great, but anyone about how you've shifted something subtly that has impacted their physical experience? I think it's completely possible. And I've seen it happen hundreds, if not thousands of times. That doesn't mean it's always going to happen. And it doesn't mean we're always going to have shifted what we think is going to shift. 
Okay. So two stories. I'll use the first story when my son and his two coaches realize there's something to this. I'm a 10, I'm, I have coaches for him. I'm down in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's freaking freezing. I'm just being a mom. I'm sitting in this really cold facility. I'm trying to write. I can hardly write. It's so cold. And all of a sudden he's working with them. And all of a sudden I go, something's wrong with Gabe's left arm. And I just call out like, Gabe, what's going on with your left arm? And he goes, nothing. Why? He's a right-handed pitcher. I go, I don't know. There's just something wrong with your left arm. And the coaches go, Gabe, is there something wrong with your left arm? He goes, no. I go, something's wrong with your left arm. And he goes, mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I just stood next to him and I had him raise it like a little inch at a time. Every time he raised it, I said, oh, that's your issue with your mother. Let's eliminate that. Oh, that's your issue with your father. Let's deal with that. Oh, that's a past life this. And you know what? Within like five minutes, he had full mobility in his arm. Full mobility. He didn't say anything. None of them said anything. And I'm like, this is energy work. This is energy work. One of my favorite stories is years ago, years and years ago, I had a woman when we did snail mail, a woman come in to see me, she had lung cancer, really advanced lung cancer, and she was going through chemo. Let's just put that out there. We did some energy work and she sent me a letter. After that, she said, I don't know what we did emotional and energy and father issues and past life and whatever. She goes, I don't know what you did, but the next night I was in critical pain. I screamed most of the night. She got up, I, she, I rose in the morning and I had grown two inches. Wow. My clothes didn't fit. And I'm like, wow. And she came in to see me later. She had, she was in remission, which I was at the energy work. Was that growing? Was that the releasing? You don't always know. Was it the chemo? Does it matter? Right. And we did some more work. And she wrote me again, snail mail, like a little after that. She goes, she was really kind of um, cranky. She goes, I have no idea what you did, but I have been struck constantly for the past two weeks with inexplicable bouts of joy. (laughs) (laughs) But she was mad about it. (laughs) And, you know, maybe there was a release with the tumors because her spine grew. Right? Yeah. Right? And her emotions freed up. And the joy, you know, lungs in traditional Chinese medicine are about grief. And she cleansed her lungs so she could feel joy. So there's all kinds of changes that can occur. Sometimes they take darn long. Sometimes they're not, they don't show up the way we think they're going to. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes people just make peace with dying. Sometimes people die sooner and they're not in pain. When they die, there's a mystery. There's a mystery when you're working with subtle energy. I love that. I love that. So we are going to jump into our rapid fire questions. Are you ready, Cindy? Oh, I love this. Let's see what I'm going to say, right? Okay. It's a short and sweet first thing that comes to mind. Got it. What is your favorite place in nature to be in? Oh, the Boundary Waters. in Ooh. Outdoors, on a lake. What is your human design? Generator. I'm a, gener- I'm a generator. Love it. What is your beverage of choice right now? Iced tea. (laughs) (laughs) And what is your top tip for good energy hygiene? Get outside every day. 
I mean, just get outside, go outside, breathe. It doesn't matter the weather. And lastly, how would you define healing? A shift toward what allows you to be more optimistic mm-hmm. and feel loved. It's mm-hmm. really sweet. That's beautiful. Really sweet. Thank you for those questions. I deliberately <laughs> didn't get ready for them. Good, 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 good. With rapid fire questions. I love that. So what services do you offer? Like, where can people find you if they want to read your books, they want to learn with you, they want to work with you? How can they connect? Yeah, just just go on cindydale.com. It's spelled odd, C-Y-N-D-I, dale.com. In 23, I'll have a whole bunch of new books coming out. I'll have some more podcasty things I'm on. I'll have a then my next big apprenticeship program starting in September of 23, probably a whole bunch of one-off classes and a little bit more with Shift Network. They're a really wonderful companies. So um, the thing to do is get on there, browse and get on the mailing list. Just get on the mailing list and you'll find out what's happening. And we'll be linking to the website in the show Thank notes. So you. anybody that just wants to click through, make it super easy for you. Pre-order that book. I don't know when you can pre-order my athlete book, but I'm like really excited about it. Says yeah. the woman who can't throw a ball. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put the link to the pre-order on there too, because huh? I'm so stoked about it as well. Maybe we'll have <laughs> a little Exploring Healing Arts book club or something around it. Lovely. Well, Cindy, this has been an absolute pleasure. I've had a great time, Elizabeth. You're one of my favorite people. Thank you for having this whole experience for me and for everybody. Thank you. And hope you all can connect with Cindy and get on her mailing list because you will receive some amazing workshop invites, book updates, all those good things. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast. I hope that our words, our stories, and the wisdom shared on today's episode inspire you and support you in feeling connected. If you loved this episode, please leave us a five-star review so we can reach more people. And as a thank you for listening, join me for a mini course on energy hygiene. You get three simple practices you can do anywhere, anytime to support you in feeling more grounded, connected to yourself, and confident in your energetic boundaries. Sign up at energyhealingelizabeth.com slash energy hygiene. Thanks for being here today, and I look forward to being with you again soon. The primary purpose of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast is to inspire and educate. As a reminder, the information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to speak with your doctor for professional medical advice or treatment. Opinions offered on this podcast are just that, opinions.